up, everyone? Welcome back to the Valley to Peak Nutrition Podcast. This week, we tackle another frequently asked question um, that popped up in the Friday FAQ. This week, it is, what are calories and how do I know how many I need? So, Lindsay and I tackle this together with her great thought process and we look at all things from, you know, what are your caloric needs if you're wanting to lose weight, gain weight, maintain your weight? What are your caloric needs if you're wanting to improve performance? And what about those watches? Should we use those watches to measure how many calories we need or burn or use during activity to determine what our actual need is to improve any of these things? And then second to that, what about those watches in terms of, or I'm sorry, what about those calories in terms of do we eat those back? Should we, you know, if our watch tells us we burn 300 calories on a run, should we be eating those back based on the idea of do we want to gain weight, lose weight, or maintain it? And then finally, towards the end of the podcast, I wanted to really give you guys something that you could target if you wanted to create your own plan. And so we look at what are some rough estimates that a person could use to measure based on their goal, what they should be targeting so they can help accomplish that. So hopefully you enjoyed the episode. If you've got any questions, you can send those to info at v2pnutrition.com. If you'd like to share the show, we would appreciate it. If you like it or uh, leave us a comment, that would also be awesome. So here we are. Without further ado, the next question is how many calories do I need? What is a calorie and how do I know how many I should have? It's a good question. So calorie is basically a unit of measure that we use to determine how much fuel someone needs. There's a technical term, there's a science term or a science definition behind it, which is used to describe the amount of energy to raise water to a certain temperature. Um, And I think like before we even press start on this, you had a good question, which was, you know, it seems like you're telling someone, how do you take, it's almost like saying, how many inches do I need to go on my run? It's like an arbitrary measurement. And I agree that it doesn't make sense, but that somehow is what we've arrived at to measure our energy needs and our energy output. Now, the second part of that question, which was, you know, how do I know how many calories I need to consume during a day is really based off of three things. So 70% of your total calorie need is determined by what it costs you to simply stay alive. Your BMR, your basal metabolic rate, basal being the term that we use for basement, the lowest amount that you would need. Even if you laid in bed, you need these. And a lot of those are cards that were dealt. They're our age, they're our current weight, there are there are genetics that play a role into that. There's um, our height, whether or not we're male or female. Females automatically lose 161 calories off of their BMR from a male of the same height, the same weight, and the same activity level. Um, so this is kind of something that is, I don't want to say it's unchanged because it is changed and we might get into that, but it's largely already determined. 10% of your need is based off of the thermic effect of food, which is simply put, how many calories does it require you to metabolize the food that you eat in a day? Because it, it takes energy to digest that food and then create energy. And then third, the thing that you have the largest determination on is your activity factor. 
Do you move during the day? Do you do extracurricular exercise? And even if you don't, this would be things like, do you take the stairs versus the elevator? Do you park in the furthest spot from the front door? Do you you fidget a lot during a day? All of these things... All of these things determine that third chunk, which is your activity factor. And so if you're doing the math, that's 70%, you're dealing with the hand that you're dealt, 10%, we all sort of get this same foundational amount. And then that obviously leaves another uh, 20%, which could be based on that that activity factor piece. 20% seems like a small number compared to how much people tend to worry about calories input and output and things like that. So you're saying just to be sure 80%, the 70 to stay 70% to stay alive, the 10% to metabolize. That's just living that 20% is kind of where the worry or planning or dieting or any of that comes into play. That's the part we can control. What determines a person's calorie needs, you know, them asking that question, which was, what are my needs, really depends on their overall goal. Do they want to lose weight? Do they want to gain weight? Or do they want to maintain weight? Dependent upon their answer to that would depend on how many calories you need to have in a day. So that activity factor piece is, is sort of woven into that by saying, well, if you're trying to lose weight, you could be more active, create a larger calorie deficit than what you currently need, and that would allow you to lose weight. Likewise, if you were trying to gain weight, you would want to reduce the amount of activity that you do and potentially increase your calorie intake to be in a calorie surplus. And then if you were wanting to maintain that energy input versus energy output would have to be about the same. So you really can't talk in the context of what is a person's calorie needs without knowing, well, what's the desire? What's the, what's the, what's the intent? What's the end goal? What are you actually after? So if someone's wanting to fuel their body better, let's just say they want to start hiking more, they want to become a runner, they want to train for a triathlon or whatever, what happens there? Does, is that affecting one of these types of not types of, I guess, this the staying alive part of things? Is that affecting what they metabolize? Is that... It doesn't affect anything. It doesn't affect what they're metabolizing. The only thing that would change in that equation is that that activity factor piece, right? So if all of a sudden they begin running a triathlon, that activity factor goes up, which makes the need much higher, the, the calorie need much higher. If your intake doesn't then correlate with that higher need, you'll lose weight. If it does, then you'll gain weight. And if by some magical reason while you're training for a triathlon, you're able to exceed that need, you would begin to put on weight. So you said part of the calories that we, you know, take in is just our what our body needs to metabolize them. If you're even regardless of activity and whatnot. When people say, oh, you have a high metabolism, so you can eat all of that, or, well, I've always had a low metabolism, so I can't eat that. Is there a truth in that? So that's part of what factors into that 70%. That's why it's so variable. And it's also why you can't just jump on 
you know, some sort of an online nutrition calculator and punch in your height, punch in your weight, punch in, you know, your potential activity level as to whether or not you exercise three times per week or four times per week or five times per week. And then expect that whatever number that gives you is somehow going to be this number that you target, you press play, and then, you know, just with consistency, you magically reach. There are so many variables and yeah, genetics is part of it. You know, so when people say things like, oh, I have a higher, I have a slow metabolism, that calculator may say, you know, suggest 2000 calories for you to, you know, for you personally to begin to lose weight. When in reality, your true BMR, your true activity factor and your true thermic effect of food may be more like 1700. Because there are so many variables involved with that BMR that are so individualized, it's really difficult to trust what those calculators, calculators spit out and compute. And I think the other thing that complicates it a tremendous amount and something that most people aren't aware of is whatever calorie target, like let's say that you had, let's say that you were targeting weight loss, whatever, whatever calorie target you begin at on the, on the journey of weight loss, and this is true of weight gain too, you can't just stay there forever. I mean, the body has compensatory mechanisms designed to prevent you from either going way too above the weight that you need to be at or way too below the weight that you need to be at. So it will adapt to whatever the first calorie target is that you, you're trying to achieve. Right. So you, this, this, this need is very dynamic throughout the process of determining, okay, do I want to gain weight? Do I want to lose weight or do I want to maintain weight? It's, it is, it is something that you, even if you find the target, you will need to adjust that periodically throughout the journey until you finally do reach that goal. So if an online or whatever type of calculator doesn't work, how does someone like you know what to do? Is there a science behind it? Is there a formula? That is a very good question, right? Because what would make like what would make me any more yeah, what would make me any more special than some online calculator? And if in honesty, I think that this is one of the really valuable things about working with the person as opposed to just using a calculator. Right. So what we'll do, like, let's say that someone came to us, they gave us their goal and their desire was to, let's say, gain weight, for example, or, you know, they had a lot of, they had a high training volume getting ready to come up. I have a guy right now who's preparing to run the Boston Marathon. He would like to not lose weight, not gain weight, but maintain his current weight throughout the duration of his training as his mileage increases. So I have a spreadsheet that I have created and inside that spreadsheet, we, we have, we, so we've studied this for many years in university settings, in hospital settings, in controlled environments to estimate and to come up with calculations that estimate a person's caloric needs based on all of the things that we've mentioned so far. And sometimes those online calculators are, are based off of that too. But what I'll do is I have a combination of these in a spreadsheet. So I plug this person's data in and these different algorithms, these different calculations, there's probably 10 of them, they all give me numbers. And so I'm looking at all 10 of these numbers, trying to find an average of where to start this person out at. Now, 
then we we start that and we give it time and we reevaluate 10 14 days later right which requires patience based on that evaluation after 10 to 14 days we have an idea are we on the right track are we too fast are we too slow is it going to take forever to try to put on weight is it going to take forever to try to lose weight and then from there we can get you know we can start to you know get an, an idea and an observation of well how do we need to change this each week to make sure that they end up at their end goal yeah so i think what you're saying because i've heard you ask these questions of clients before is you might, I mean, you have their age, their weight, their genetics, all these, you know, things that you talked about, their activity level, their goals, whether to gain, lose, or maintain. Some of those things that aren't just in a formula might be, do you have energy? Are you feeling super hungry at the end of the day? Are you losing weight? Have you put on extra? Are those the types of things that kind of take more of a actual person as opposed to you know, just some random formula they might find. So those things matter in kind of a, a non-objective or a non-data-driven way, because even if you're seeing tremendous progress, but you have no energy to complete your workout, we're sort of in a conundrum and, and we do need to change something. But on the, on the other side of that is the objective end of things. So each week we're evaluating what's the weight loss or the weight gain been for a week and we have a standard that we're aiming for we you know we want to fall within that range or within that standard and so a lot of times like for someone gaining weight if you want to make sure the what's actually coming on is 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 muscle and not fat you want like one percent of their body weight over a month's period of time so for someone weighing you know in the in in a certain range that could be two pounds in a month right? Anything more aggressive than that, yes, it may show weight gain, but it's very likely a fat gain, which you don't want, right? Most people want lean mass when they're trying to gain weight. So based off of how much weight someone, let's just say for this person, they want to lose some weight, okay? But maybe stay active and train for something. How much a person loses over what amount of time can tell you what they're actually losing, whether it's losing muscle, whether it's losing fat? Yeah, definitely can right and so if you if you if you look at it from a weight loss perspective for example we tend to target anything between one and two pounds per week anything above that typically means yeah you're losing weight maybe a part of that is fat but you're also probably losing nutrient stores you're also probably losing water and worse you're probably losing some lean mass some muscle as well so in that scenario if it is going too quick we know hey we've you know we've got the we've got the we've got the heat turned up too much here we need to bring it back some right and and there's other there's other complexities involved with that too like where are you getting the nutrition from and and some of those other things but yeah so for the most part we'll take this spreadsheet we'll evaluate what a person's entire you know we'll sort of audit what does your life look like it'll give us a good starting point and i'll say this too I, you know one of the reasons i trust these this spreadsheet so much is because how it, it just doesn't waste anyone's time. It's almost always right where it needs to be from a starting point versus if you use a calculator, maybe you, you know, you aim for a target and then you sit there for two weeks and nothing's happens and you adjust and you sit there for two weeks and nothing, you're just wasting a lot of time that could have been made, you know, making progress. So I do, I do like it and do trust it quite a bit. And it's been really effective for the people that we have worked with.
So when you mention this spreadsheet, it kind of sounds a little bit mystical, like, oh, I have this special spreadsheet and these formulas. <laughs> Just to clarify, you're saying that you've organized multiple formulas that take all of this into consideration into one location, and you find an average of multiple equations for calorie needs? Yeah. So yes, it's not a, uh, it, it's not something like I've just conjured up and at midnight, you know, having, after having had drank too much coffee, it's several different spreadsheets that have been compiled in like for nerd speak, the academic world. And I've, I've just put them all in one spot, right? So I'm able to see what are the 10 most effective ways for measuring energy what's the average of these 10 for a person as a starting point and then from there you know we're evaluating each week what type of progress is being made and then what do we need to do with that now again the interesting thing about weight loss and weight uh, gain is the body will adapt over time so there's going to be several points throughout a person's journey where we're not only saying okay we need to adjust now before we hit a plateau and here's by how much we need to to adjust it by that makes a lot more sense. So you have actual data for where you got these formulas. Yeah, it's definitely not. It's definitely not like <laughs> just like, oh, that that makes logical sense. I think I'll apply this and multiply by one and that's where we'll end up. No, it's it's actual data. So kind of something that caught my ear is you said, I mean, realistic, let's say, again, the person is wanting to lose weight or maybe gain. It's the same. I'm not sure, but it's just a couple pounds a week you can you said you can kind of tell what is being lost whether it be you know muscle or fat or whatnot i know before you've mentioned when people drop a lot of weight very quickly it could be water is there a way to tell what you're losing over time to know if you're meeting your goals yeah so we'll so we're we're evaluating weight we're evaluating not only weight but you know how to what degree is that weight moving each week and each month and throughout the duration of the journey so there's a there is a focal point that we'll look at week over week throughout the entire time that a person's with us to make sure that it hovers in an average right because there's going to be some weeks where nothing changes at all and then there's going to be some weeks where there's just this dramatic change that seems like it happens all at once and it's it's hard to predict which and so like you know what becomes the most challenging is the mental piece of the journey for a person because you're you're like you're trying to hang on there and remain consistent even whenever you might not see progress and I, I suppose i'm in the fortunate seat of of knowing it will come if you just keep doing it so in addition to evaluating the weight and evaluating the averages we're also evaluating what you had mentioned earlier which is subjective things like do you have energy when you work out are you noticing whenever you go lift weights or try to go on an endurance run? Are you improving in your time? Are you able to lift more weights? Are you getting stronger while still seeing progress on the scale? Because if, if not, we're kind of missing the boat, right? I mean, it's possible to not have one. It's possible to, to have them both. Usually, you know, it's talked about, well, you can really only achieve one and there's some truth in that, but there's some complexities involved with just making a generalization there. The other thing that we'll do is we'll, we'll take inch measurements. So it's not uncommon for me to have seen people in the beginning parts of their journey, like for the first 60 to 90 days, not lose, but three, four pounds over 90 days, which would be hard to see for the amount of effort someone's putting out. 
But because we're evaluating these other metrics, I might see, yes, but you've, you know, you've gained strength. You've got more energy at night with your family as well. Plus you're down 15 inches. So in those instances, it's more of like a recomposition of the body where you are losing the real deal, the fat. So you hear people say stuff like, well, you know, this is the kind of weight that comes back quick, or this is the type of weight that stays off. And so the weight that comes off quick through rapid deficits and through fad dieting is typically nutrient losses in muscle and water, right? So when you stop that diet or when you deviate from it, the weight just piles back on because it's not true fat loss. True fat loss is the stuff that stays away, right? So when you're seeing the scale not move a lot, but you're feeling like, oh, my, my notice my clothes are fitting different. People don't like that. They want the scale to move. In reality, you've probably got the better bargain by getting clothes to fit better, by having inches come down, by increasing your strength and stamina, even though that stupid scale hasn't budged. So I hear you saying when you maybe you notice this pattern of slowly over time, you might not lose a ton of pounds, but you lose multiple, multiple inches. It's hard to believe when you think about losing 15 inches, that could be the equivalent of only four pounds. Is that because that fat has turned into something? Has it dissolved? Like what, that had to go somewhere. <laughs> that amount of, that was, you know, filling your waistline, I guess. If you're, if you are accumulating, it's almost like Indiana Jones, right? In the, in the temple of doom. If you are exchanging a bag of sand for the golden skull, it's essentially the same idea, right? You are exchanging this fat for more muscle. So the scale's not moving, right? And now all of a sudden you've started this exercise regime, which is a little more challenging than what you'd been used to doing. And as good as exercise is, it does induce inflammation, which does cause water retention. So any scale movement may be masked. So there's a lot of different factors that you're looking at. I picture that fat being, you know, somehow literally removed from the body, how it comes out. I don't know. I don't know. Is that sweat? Is it literally turning into muscle or is it you're losing some fat and building muscle at the same time? So it doesn't seem like there's much loss. So yeah. When you start to be in a calorie deficit, you begin to lose fat. That fat is then lost because it turns into carbon dioxide, water, and some energy. So essentially what you're doing is you're sweating it out, you're peeing it out, you're breathing it out. And like I said, the infate of that does turn into some energy as well. The problem with that is that people don't if see that on a scale, right? So they're perceiving I'm working so hard, this scale isn't moving, which we've been told, you know, the scale movement up means we're getting fatter, the scale movement down means we're getting skinnier, which are two terms I hate. But it's what it's but it's what we're told. So even though clothes fit better, you're getting stronger, you have more stamina, you like what you see in the mirror better, that stupid scale is not moving. So it means it's not working. And that simply isn't true. Right. So a lot of what my time is spent doing is reminding people, ah, but it is working. And you have to you have to sort of picture yourself at the end of this journey, looking back at at what's been accomplished. It's really hard to see the peaks and the valleys in the middle. How about that peaks and valleys? It's really hard to see the peaks and the valleys in the middle of the journey, be encouraged and, and allow that encouragement to move you on. And, and 
I always say this. I always say you have to, you really have to apply a lot of logic and not let the emotion drive. And it's not to say it's not emotional. It is an emotional journey, but you have to let the actions that you do every day not be driven by the emotion that that scale moving or not moving might produce. So this might be a bit of a loaded question, but, or lengthy answer, you know, you, you noticed over time, true weight loss, true fat loss is slower than what a lot of people assume. You've mentioned that this just drastic number going down, way down on the scale, isn't likely sustainable, maybe you could say, or realistic. It's it's good things are going out as well. What other patterns do you see that are common with calorie calorie deficits, cal- people trying to gain weight, lose weight, whatever? Are there things that are common that could take the emotion out if you told someone ahead of time, hey, expect to only see this many pounds this month or if you're starting to run, you might see this happen just so people aren't so, you know, disappointed. There are a lot of different factors involved in life, involved in activity, involved in the amount of food that you eat, involved in whether or not you're eating out or eating at home. There's so many different factors that would explain what progress looks like each week that it's hard to say these are all of them. With that said, I think that the if you were going to give generalized advice to people, the best advice you could give is if that scale is not moving, it does not mean it's not working because there are all of these variables. If you are seeing positive things happen that are not related to the scale, continue to allow that to be what motivates you to be consistent. And I would say even even if you're not seeing those, I mean, even if you have no nutrition knowledge, it's very likely that what you've changed from is better than or what you're doing now is is better than what you were doing right so even if you're not noticing any sort of an improvement but you feel better or you have more energy i mean that alone almost seems like the juice is worth the squeeze just to keep doing it i will say this i'll add this in um because a lot of people ask this can i trust my garmin my apple watch my fitbit my elliptical machine my any of those things can i trust those things as a tool to tell me how many calories i'm burning in a day or how many calories i burn on any certain exercise or how many you know whatever it is and then the second question to that is can i eat those calories back so first part no you cannot trust those and that's not just like a subjective statement that i throw out there we've actually studied this in a lab setting where we hook someone up to a calorimetry which measures how much energy a person burns during an activity and we find that those watches and the machines themselves tend to way overestimate how many calories you burn in any sort of given activity even if they were accurate second part to this no you wouldn't want to eat those calories back because that would it would depend on your goal if your goal was i should change my answer If your goal was to increase or maintain your weight, then yes, you'd want to eat those back. If your goal was to lose weight, you would not want to eat those back because you would no longer be in a deficit. Now, 
part of that is determined by who calculated your 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 caloric needs in a day to be in a deficit and see the weight come down assuming that they had factored in that you were going to be active you would not want to consume those back because you wouldn't be in a deficit so when friends let's just say <laughs> go on a long walk or go for a run and then come and eat a cookie and say, well, I ran and so I needed it. Or maybe they eat a piece of cake and they say, well, let's go for a walk to burn this off. Calories in doesn't necessarily equal calories being burned. Is that right? In your scenario. This is a friend's scenario, but continue. In that scenario, no, their calories in would exceed their calories out. As a generalization, that is how weight loss works. It is essentially your calories consumed opposed to how many calories are you expending during a day. And that energy balance would determine whether or not you lose weight, maintain it, or gain weight. Now, there are many, 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 many rabbit trails that you could go off of from here in terms of, well, it depends on the composition of those calories and the quality of those calories and this, that, and the other. And and some of those things carry weight. But at the end of the day, in the most simplistic terms, the weight does not move. If you if you factor all of those things, the weight does not move if there is not an energy deficit. That is, that is rule number one in nutrition. So let's just say you wanted to maintain weight, just perfectly maintain it. Is saying, you know, when you go to a restaurant and it says how many calories are on the menu, Let's just say you ate something that was in total 500 calories. You eat it, 500 calories goes in. If you had an accurate way of measuring calories going out and you burned 500 calories exactly, does that put you back at that baseline? So we know you just had an intake of 500 calories and then you go exercise and somehow you knew I burned exactly 500 calories. Is that how weight is maintained? Yes. Right. So that would be a net of zero and that would be weight maintenance. So let's say, let's say two people are working out together, both with the goal of, you know, losing weight. If they both ran a mile at the same speed, but maybe had a different age, different body type, different factor, will they burn the same amount of calories as each other? If there's two people running, even if they weigh the same, they're the same age, they're the same weight, they're the same height, they're the same everything, same gender, they will burn two different calorie amounts. And there's a lot that has to do with that. Number one is that BMR, right? Like what are some of the genetic factors involved with one person may not be the same with the other person. The second would be if there's two different degrees of training. So, you know, the person who's more well-trained will actually burn fewer calories than the person who is well-trained, right? So there's a difference there. The intensity of the run, the distance of all of these things make a big difference in determining. And that again, circles back to why it's so hard to just take a calorie, a free calorie counter, plug in your height, plug in your weight, plug in your age, say whether or not you do activity for two days, three days, four days, or five days per week, press go, it give you a number and then, you know, you be able to take that number and ride the train all the way to the goal. It just, it's just not that easy because of all these other factors. So now the only 
problem <laughs> with your scenario is unfortunately it's not that simple, right? So when you think about restaurant foods and you think about activities, unless you are in a controlled setting where you know, you've literally got someone taking the time to measure out what amount of ingredients they use in those restaurant meals, you don't know what's coming in. And then on the flip side of that, unless you're in a university or a medical setting where they hook you up to a machine and literally measure your output while you're active, you don't know how many calories you burn yet. Those are the two things that we use the most often to determine, okay, is this person in a deficit? Is this person at maintenance? Is this person in a surplus? Right. And so what we tend to find in, even whenever you studies this is they tend to overestimate how many calories are burned in exercise and they tend to significantly underestimate how many calories they are actually consuming to the tune of an average for most studies about 1400 a day. Right. So if, you know, to put that in math terminology, they think they're eating 14 the reality whenever it's studied in a control setting is it's 28. That's a surplus of 1400 calories per day in someone who's trying to actively lose weight. So it's no wonder the scale is not moving. Now on the flip side of that, if we go run a 5k, let's say for example, which is about three miles, your average person may burn 250, anywhere between two and 300 calories doing something like that. Our perception, especially if we're new to running, is we've expended more than that. So we go out with our friends, we have a drink, we get the burger, we get the fries, because after all, I've been for a run. And so now, what your perception of having the room is puts you at a surplus. So in spite of you running and you're trying to lose the weight, let's say, the weight doesn't move. And it's the same with weight gain, right? If if you if you if you're you're trying to gain weight, but there there's no actual metric there to measurement measure it it's hard to guarantee that you're in any sort of a surplus to put on any muscle and to improve performance so it it works on both ends a couple of things i do want to mention before we wrap up the podcast is those numbers right so yes there are variables but one of those that is easy for a person to use in terms of calculating their estimated need is a range so taking your current body weight and determining do you want to lose do you want to maintain or do you want to gain weight? You can use this, this formula for loss, 10 to 13 calories per pound to maintain between 14 and 16 to gain 16 or more. Now there's ranges within that. So you can use that. Like if you were wanting to lose weight and we said, okay, 10 to 13, you could use that range, meaning you probably don't want to drop below the 10, but you also could go as high as the 13 if you needed to, right? And then you're evaluating each week, am I seeing progress or not? And then you can adjust. But I think it's good to at least have a target. I wanted to pass that along. Hopefully it was um, some helpful information and hopefully this sheds some light again on not just calories, but why you can't just plug things into a calculator, press go and hope you get there. And the reason I mentioned that is because a lot of people have that I've met have sort of beat themselves up for their inability to be able to lose weight, even though they were trying. And it's not, that's not really fair to you, right? I mean, you didn't know the full story. It's not like you're broken, your metabolism is broken, or that you didn't try. There's just a lot more to the story there that you weren't aware of. And so you can't necessarily hold yourself to that standard of accountability. So 
I hope this was helpful. I appreciate Lindsay joining me. She ran inside to get her son who woke up from a nap. Um, but we'll keep doing these. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like it. Please share it. Please leave a comment. Um, and we would be so grateful for that. Have a great week, everyone. We'll be back with a new episode soon.